Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that the message that you are about to hear not only encourages you, but helps you follow Jesus like never before. If you feel blessed by this teaching, I wanna challenge you to do two things. First of all, share this with someone that you know needs to hear this. And second of all, I want you to consider giving back to the ministry so that other people that just like you could also grow in their relationship with Christ. To do so, simply go to cfmiami.org give, and there you can follow the instructions, all right? Thank you so much. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. Amen, amen. How many of you believe that today? His is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you believe that today, come on, give Jesus a loud shout of praise. Come on, church. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. What a powerful time of worship. And we want to welcome you to Christ Fellowship. If you're a first-time guest, we want to say thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Carlos, and I serve as the executive pastor here and part of the teaching team. And if you're at one of our campuses, West Kendall, Doral, Homestead, Redland, Core Gables, downtown, if you're watching us online, uh, we want to welcome you uh, to Christ Fellowship. Palmetto Bay, can we give it up for them as loud as you can? Amen. Today we continue this series that we've entitled Before the Throne of Theology on Prayer. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be going through the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, which is actually what we just sang right now in that worship song. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. If you don't have your Bibles, all the verses will come up on the screen. We want to do something a little different today. And so I want us to read the Lord's Prayer out loud. Okay, so I'm going to start us off with the first statement that says, pray then like this. Jesus is uh, asking, his disciples are asking him how to pray. And so Jesus is responding to them. And so I want us to read it together. All right, you guys ready? All right, so let me start. Pray then like this. All right, here we go. Our Father in heaven. Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Can we give Jesus another shout of praise? Amen. You can have a seat now at all of our campuses. And, you know, one of the things about me that you probably have discovered already is that I love food and I love to eat. I don't have many hobbies in life, but I think eating is one of the hobbies that I enjoy. And so one of the places that my family and I, we like to go to is the Cheesecake Factory. How many of you make some noise? You like the Cheesecake Factory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make some noise. All right, some fans out there. You know, I like it for several reasons. First of all, the ambiance is really cool, good environment, and usually they're located in malls, so as you wait for a table, you can enjoy the mall. But one of the main reasons why I love the Cheesecake Factory is because the portions are large. So Shawnee and I would buy like two plates and we can feed our our entire family with just two plates. But here's the thing about the Cheesecake Factory that makes it different than any other restaurant. And the one thing that makes it so different is their menu. Because their menu is massive. It's not just a one-page menu. It's not just a two-page foldable menu. But it has 17 pages over 250 different entrees, 
A plethora of salads and appetizers, burritos, tacos, nachos, uh, uh, hamburgers, sandwiches, steaks, chicken, pastas, anything that you can think of, it has. And if that's not enough, if 17 pages is not enough, they actually have a skinny-licious menu. Every dish is under 590 calories if you want to stay fit. And so you have skinny-licious pasta, skinny-licious Asian salad, skinny-licious chicken, skinny-licious steak, even a skinny-licious mojito. None of y'all better be ordering that, all right? <laughs> I'm just playing. But here's the thing. They're not even known for their food. What they're known for is what? Their cheesecake. And they don't have one option or five options. They have 34 different cheesecakes. Guava cheesecake, New Yorkan cheesecake, a chocolate, Oreo, vanilla. I mean, everything that you can think of. So when you go to Cheesecake Factory, even though it's amazing and so good, when you go through the menu, it could be so daunting. You don't even know where to start. It has so many different options that you don't even know where to begin. You don't even know what to order. And here's what happens. Every time that I go, even though there are so many pages on that menu, I usually order the same thing. Chicken marsala with mashed potatoes and asparagus. Usually the same thing. Because I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know where to start. Now, let me bring all of that over to our teaching for this weekend. Because I think that's what can happen for many of us, to many of us, when it comes to prayer. We don't even know where to start. We don't even know where to begin, which is why oftentimes when we ask someone to pray, they don't even know what to say. Because for some of us, we think, I don't know what to say to God. I don't know how to pray. Should I pray in the morning? Do I need to pray at night? Do I, do I need to pray in my room? Do I need to pray to a priest? Do I need to pray on my knees? Is there a certain posture that I have to be on? Is there a certain direction that I need to pray towards? And oftentimes we see prayer as this daunting thing that we can neglect prayer or we end up praying the same prayers. We end up praying the same thing. But here's what I want you to know at all of our campuses, because this is so important. Prayer is not about impressing God, but rather prayer is about communicating to God. Amen. Prayer is not about impressing God, but rather prayer is about communicating to God. So that poses the question, Pastor Carlos, I'm tracking with you and I get you, but how do I communicate to God? Well, we're going to find out today as we go through this passage known as the Lord's Prayer. And so we love to take notes here. And so make sure that you take out your smartphones and go into the app or take out your listening guides and write this down as your next point for today, first point for today. Prayer begins with a proper view of God. Prayer begins with a proper view of God. Look at what Jesus tells his disciples. In Matthew chapter 6, they ask him, Lord, how do we pray? And so Jesus is answering their question. He says this, pray then like this, our Father. Say with me, our Father. Our Father. Say it like you mean it, our Father. Our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now let's stop right there because this passage is known as the Lord's Prayer. And even if you've not been in church for a long time, even if you've not been a Christian for a while, even if you're not a believer of Jesus, you've probably heard of the Lord's Prayer. 
Maybe you've heard it in a church service. Uh, maybe you've heard it in a movie, in a show. Uh, maybe you're an athlete and before going to a, a game, before getting on the field, in the locker room, maybe you have recited the Lord's Prayer. And people will pray this prayer verbatimly to God. They'll just recite and say these words. But here's what I want you to know because this is important. Jesus does not give us the Lord's Prayer as a script for us to pray, but rather Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer as a way of how to approach God. In other words, the intention of the Lord's Prayer is not for us just to memorize these words, but rather for us to model these words, model this prayer. Because whenever you just memorize words and you say things, it becomes very mechanical. You just say it because you know what to say, and it just becomes a mechanical thing, and there's no heart behind it. But I want you to know this, that the God of the universe did not create us for, just to us, for us to be mechanical, because when we are mechanical, that becomes religious. And God did not create you for religion, but the God of this universe created you for a relationship. He did not create you for a religion, but rather for a relationship. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down as your next point for today. Pray in a relational way, not a religious way. Think about this for a moment. Jesus could have told his disciples, listen, when you pray to God, you say, oh, Lord, sovereign master of the universe. Oh, God, who is omnipotent, omniscient, who is everywhere, who is in control of all, thing, all things, the king of kings, the one who holds all things together. Now, Jesus, God is all that and much more. But the very first thing that Jesus tells his disciples, when you call God, you call him your father, our father. He is establishing the relationship between a father and his children, and he is a good father. And because he is your father, he is your dad, then you can freely approach him and you can communicate to him. Now, this is a big deal because Jesus is speaking to a Jewish audience, and back in those days in the Old Testament, they never addressed God as father. They would address God as El Shaddai, Yahweh God. Elohim, El Adonai, and these words represent the name of God, but they never address God as Father. But when Jesus slips into the scene and he comes on earth, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he calls God Father 165 times, establishing our relationship between us and God. And because he's our Father, we can freely express who we are to him. You don't have to change who you are when you pray. You know, sometimes people, and they mean well, you know, you talk to them, they're like, hey, bro, what's up? How's it going? Awesome, awesome. Good, good. And when, you, when they pray, they'll start praying and they pray all, you know, they become someone else. Father God, I come before you and I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need saving. I pray for my, my church, my And listen, it's okay to get passionate. I get passionate in my prayers. So if you get passionate, it's all good. But you don't even have to get loud when you pray. It's not like God is saying, oh, man, I'm glad you're loud now because now I can hear you, son. Now I can hear you. Thank you that you you made it louder for me. No, God can hear your whispers to him. Or some people will pray uh, uh, King James Version. (laughs) 
thou, Father, art, I come before you. Thy Savior, thy, thy King, thy, I pray for thy sins. Forgive me, and I pray for thy Christ fellowship. And they get all King James Version. They don't even know what they're saying. That's right. Even God's confused. <laughs> God's like, listen, prayer is not about impressing God, but rather prayer is about communicating to God, and you communicate to your Father. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? You know, last time I preached, I told you that I was about to start volunteering as a football coach for my son's uh, football team, uh, Nathan. And so we've actually played our fourth game, and it's been amazing. We're two for two, two wins, two losses. And, but the most awesome thing is that I get to share the gospel and pray for people, and it's like my mission field out there. And there is this boy, little boy, he does amazing. His name is Leo, and uh, there's a picture of him back there. And Leo actually comes to Christ Fellowship. His dad is Brian Folds, who's on staff, and he comes to Christ Fellowship Academy, which is our school. By the way, I want to give a huge shout out to our academy here. Can we give it up for Christ Fellowship Academy? They do an amazing job. And so Leo, every time that he sees me at school, he goes, hey, Pastor Carlos, and he addresses me as Pastor Carlos. When he sees me at church, he says, hey, Pastor Carlos. And so when he's on the field, instead of calling me Pastor Carlos, he calls me Coach Carlos. So you say, hey, Coach Carlos. And so the other day I was running a play and I'm like, hey, Leo, you're going to catch the ball. You're going to go this way. He's like, all right, Pastor Carlos. I mean, I mean, Coach Carlos. I'm like, Leo, you can call me whatever. Pastor, Coach, Carlos, CeeLo, just catch the ball. I'm happier you catch the ball. You can call me whatever. You see, at school and in church, I'm Pastor Carlos. But on the field, I'm Coach Carlos. Now, my son is also in our team. My son, Nathan, he's seven years old. He just turned seven on Friday. But here's the thing with my son. At school and at church, I'm not Pastor Carlos. I'm not Coach Carlos. I'm who? I'm dad. I'm poppy. I'm father. On the field, I'm not Coach Carlos. I'm not Pastor Carlos. I'm his father. I'm his dad. At home, I'm his dad. I'm his poppy. And because I'm, a fa- I'm his father, there's a way that he can freely express himself to me. And can I remind you in a much greater way, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are his child, you are his son, you are his daughter. The word of God says in Romans 8:15, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery, but rather you have been adopted and you are now his child so you can talk to God. Galatians 3.26 says that through Jesus, you are now his children. We are sons of God. John 1.12 says, for those who believed, he gave the right, come on somebody, to become children of God. I am preaching to somebody today at all of our campuses. Come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise. So when Jesus talks about prayer, the first thing that he establishes is our relationship with God. A.W. Tozer, a very well-known author and theologian, and he wrote many books, he says the following about our relationship with God, and he says, what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing to us. What comes to your mind when you think about God and when you pray to him? Do you see God as a celestial judge who is out to scrutinize everything that you do? 
is out to get you. Oh, I'm going to pay back. Here's the payback. Retribution. Do you see God as a celestial Santa Claus? Oh, if I do well and I obey, God's going to bless me with that. But if I disobey, I am in the naughty list and he's not going to listen to my request and he's not going to answer my prayer. Contingent on our works. Or do you see God as a loving heavenly father? How do you view God? So Jesus is establishing our relationship with God when it comes to prayer. But maybe you're thinking, Pastor Carlos, I'm tracking with you and I know this, I get it, I understand. But what are some of the things that I should pray for? Well, Jesus gives us a couple things in this prayer for us to model. And I don't want to be dogmatic about this. There are other things that we can pray for. But I, want, I, want, I have four different points that I want us to write down. So you guys ready? Okay. So here's the, the next point that I want you to write down. Pray for God's plan. Pray for God's plan. Look at what that passage says in Matthew 6, verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Jesus is referring to the kingdom that God will reestablish. He will make a new heaven and a new earth. He will reestablish everything, and it will be a perfect place for us to worship God, the consummation of all things. We'll have our glorified bodies. The Bible speaks about in Revelation 21, there will be no more mourning, no more sickness, no more COVID, no more anxiety, no more depression, all new things, new heaven and a new earth. But before then, look what it says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, pray God's will, pray God's plan. God, what is your will for my life? I want to submit. I want to live under your will. I want to live under your lordship. Whatever plan that you have for me, whatever agenda that you have for me, I want to live that out for my life. Because oftentimes when it comes to prayer, we think so much that prayer is about God changing our situation. But rather, prayer is more about God changing you. Prayer is not so much about God changing your situation, but rather prayer is about God changing you. And when it comes to prayer, there are two kinds of people that pray. Those who pray, thy will be done. Come on. God's will be done. God, I want to please you. I want to submit under your will. Yeah. Or my will be done. <laughs> thy will be done or my will be done. And the reason why Jesus asked us to first pray God's will is because when we pray and we pray God's will, it reprograms our minds and our hearts to live for the things above, not the things of this world. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and everything else will be added onto you. Colossians 3 says, set your hearts and your minds on the things above, not the things of this world. But oftentimes we're so consumed and focused on the things of this world that it's temporal. And so Jesus is saying, listen, listen, before you petition to God, pray God's will over your life. Because too much of our prayer is about God changing our situation. And God is saying, listen, rather than changing your situation, I want to change you. So are you praying God's will? What is God's will for your life? The Bible says it's God's will for you to be sanctified, which means to be more like Jesus, to be more transformed into the likeness of God. The Bible says it's God's will for man to be saved, 
for people to come into the kingdom of God, to be reconciled and to be redeemed? In fact, I want to ask you a question today. If God were to take every single one of your prayers that you have prayed since the beginning of the year, January 1st, 2022, all of them, all the way to this, to this day, and he were to answer them with a yes, if he were to say yes to all of your requests, how many people would get saved? Come on, brother. Come on. Think about that for a moment. If God were to take every single one of your prayer requests and he were to say yes to all of them, how many people would get saved? Or maybe you would win the lotto, have a bigger home, have another boat, have a better job. It's God's will for people to be reconciled into his kingdom. Are you praying thy will be done or my will be done? One of the things that Shawnee and I, most of the time we do when we pray, most of the time, I pray for the salvation of my children. I pray, God, I pray for Noah, Nathan, and Everly. May they grow up to be men and women who love you, who serve you, who fear you, who are fully devoted to your ways. Yes, I pray for their school, their education. May they excel in that. Yes, I pray for their skills and their abilities and their achievements and their talents that God has blessed them with. Yes, I pray for their, pray for their physical health. But the most important thing is not their physical health, but rather their spiritual health. And so I want to pray for my children's salvation. When was the last time you prayed for the salvation of a family member, for them to come to know Jesus? Pray God's will for your life. God, I want to do your will. God's plan. Here's the next point. God's provision. God's provision. As we continue on in this prayer, verse 11, it says, give us this day our daily. Say with me, daily. 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 Say it like you mean it. Daily. Daily. Thank you, Nigel. You're awake. Daily bread. It doesn't say weekly bread. It doesn't say monthly bread, yearly bread. Now, when we read that verse at face value, we may not understand some of the ramifications of that verse, but I want to give us some historical content to that part of the, of the passage. Because Jesus is speaking to a Jewish audience. And so he's taking them back to Exodus. This is in the Old Testament. The people of God, the Israelites, they were slaves in Egypt for about 400 years. God would send 10 plagues to deliver his people, and before they made it into the promised land, the Bible says that they were in the wilderness for about 40 years. And while they were in the wilderness, God himself would feed his people manna from heaven. This was like a wafer, like a bread type of thing, from heaven every single day. God's like, listen, I'm going to provide for you daily under one restriction, you are not to keep any, for any leftovers for the following day. Right. So God said, listen, I'm going to feed you every single day, but don't get a doggy bag or don't get a cheesecake factory box and put some extra arepas in there or tortillas or pancakes that God sent them, that banana bread. Don't get extra for the following day. But what do you think happened? Exodus chapter 16, verse 19. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until the morning. This is the rule from God. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses, and they kept part of it until the morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. God saw 
that his people did not trust him. So what does God do? He rottens their food. Why? To teach them a lesson. Listen, listen. I'm going to provide for you every single day. You are to be totally dependent on me. So what is Jesus trying to teach us? Listen, he's not advocating against us storing food in our pantry. So don't go into the kitchen now and throw away all your food from the pantry. Don't do that. And he's not advocating against us having a savings account because God has called us to be diligent with our resources to steward it well. But what he is saying is that every single day, he gives us enough, enough grace to make it through the day. So if you're a mom here who is exhausted and is tired and has been working a long day and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to invest and serve my children. I don't know how I'm going to be able to put together a meal and put them to sleep. I want to remind you today that he gives you the daily bread and he gives you enough grace to make it through the day. If you're a father here and you're like, Carlos, inflation is insane. The economy, gas is so high, I don't even want to drive to work. I want to jog to work. I don't know. I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't know. But I do know that Jesus is going to provide for the needs that you need for today. He's going to give you enough grace to make it through the day. If you're single, you're like, man, I've been single for a long time. Everybody's getting in a relationship. Everyone is starting to get married. My friends are having children. I'm taking my friend's children to school. I mean, the only single one in the group, in the crew. What am I going to do? Listen, God's going to give you enough grace to make it through the day. He is your daily bread. Be patient. He's going to give you the strength to stay pure. How many of you believe that out of our campuses? Come on and give Jesus a shout of praise. Jesus says in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. So God's provision every single day, a daily thing. God's plan, God's provision. Here's the next point. God's pardon. The next P, God's pardon. This is the forgiveness part. Ask God for, ask for God's pardon, God's forgiveness. Look what the Bible says in that passage in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. Right. Now, you may be thinking, Pastor Carlos, wait a minute. You guys always say, you, Pastor Omar, Pastor Al, everyone, you guys always say uh, God has forgiven you from your past, present, and future sins. Why? If, if God has forgiven us from all of our sins, why do we have to confess? This is the confession part. Why do we have to confess our sins to God? Well, here's why. Because when you confess your sins to God, you remind yourself of the gospel. That there is nothing good in me, and I am sinful. I was lost and far away from God. And yet, even though I sin against God, God still extends his mercy, grace, compassion, and love towards me, and he forgives me of my sins. And when you understand that, it compels you, it helps you to do the following verse and forgive those who do wrong against you. Now, for some people, you may think, yeah, but, you know, if I'm always confessing my sins to God, does it mean that then I'm far away from God? Because if I'm always confessing my sins here, this is what I did wrong, and this is how I sinned against God, it means that my relation with God is not as healthy. Well, not true. It's actually the quite opposite. Because the passage says, 
our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That word hallowed means holy. And here's what happens. The closer we get to God and his holiness, the more that his holiness reveals our sins and blemishes to us. In other words, as we get closer to God, we start to realize, oh, I didn't know I struggled with pride. Oh, I didn't know I had a gossip problem, cheese problem. Oh, I didn't know I was trusting other people rather than trusting God. I didn't know I, was, I had all these issues because the closer you get to God, the more that his holiness exposes your sin. So someone who is close to God, confession is actually prevalent in their life. Someone who is far away from God, they don't confess much because they, they think they're good. They're like, okay, good, because they're so far away from God that his holiness has not expressed, uh, revealed the blemishes that they have. Let me give you an example. The other day I was in on my laptop writing an email in the morning and I was outside and it was beautiful weather, spring weather in Miami and it was about eight in the morning and as it got brighter and it got more light, the sun was rising higher and higher, I started noticing that my laptop, there was a smudges on the screen and there was, it was dirty and it, was not, it didn't look good and I noticed that it had these blemishes. So what did I do? I grabbed my shirt and I tried to wipe it off and if you've ever done that before, it makes it even worse. So what I tried to do, it made it even worse. And then I got a napkin and tried to clean, clean out the smudge and all that, the blemishes, made it worse. And so I just gave up and I just started typing away anyways. I just left it, left it dirty there. And I want to remind us that as we get closer to God and he reveals our sin to ourselves, when he starts revealing our sin and we start recognizing the blemishes, God forgives us Amen. and there is nothing that we can do to wash it away, to wipe it away, to clean it off, to rub it off. But only thing that washes away your sins is the precious blood of Jesus Christ that he shed upon the cross. And the word of God says in Isaiah 38, 17, child of God, he has put all your sins behind his back. Jeremiah 31, 34 says that I will forgive you of all your wickedness and remember your sins no more. How many of you are thankful for the gospel message that is life-changing, that transforms you, that forgives you from all your sins? But confession brings healing. God reveals and exposes your blemishes and your faults and your wrongdoings. But he reminds you, child of God, I have forgiven you and you are forgiven. Pray God's plan, pray God's provision, pray God's pardon, and here's the last one. Pray God's protection. Pray for God's protection. Look at how Jesus concludes the Lord's Prayer. In verse 13, look at what Jesus says in verse 13. Pray for God's protection. He says the following, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That word deliver in the Greek, it means to rescue to oneself. Here's the interesting thing, that Jesus begins the Lord's Prayer by establishing our relation with God. He's our Father, we are his children. And he concludes the Lord's Prayer by protecting our relation with God. Because the enemy is out to kill, steal, destroy your life. He's out to destroy your marriage. He's out to destroy your home. He's out to destroy your future. 
He's out to destroy your finances. And here's the thing. Temptation is anything that lures you away from God. Any vice, any addiction, anything that lures you away from the things of God. But the goal for the enemy is not for you just to fall into temptation. That's not the end goal. Because we fall into temptation. But the end goal of the enemy is for, to allow that temptation to push you away from God. Because think about this for a moment. Oftentimes when we sin against God, what do we do? We don't go to the Lord in prayer like David did in the Psalms. But rather oftentimes what we do is when we sin against God, we drift further and further away from God. And so our prayer of protection is, Lord, protect my mind. Lord, protect my thoughts, my heart. Lord, protect my marriage. Lord, protect my children. Protect my home. Protect my school. Protect my job. Protect my finances. Protect me. Protect my friend. Protect my boss. Let them not fall into temptation. Because oftentimes when we fall into temptation, what can happen is we are so far away from God that rather than going to God, we drift the other way. And here's the thing. We have a good father that when we fall against the Lord and we sin against God and we come to him, he doesn't meet us like this. But instead he meets us like this. We're arms wide open. So no matter what you've done in life, no matter how far away you feel from God, you can always pray to God. David in Psalm 145 verse 18, he says the following, the Lord is near to say with me all. Say it like you mean it all, to all. Not some, not a few, but near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Amen. You know, about several weeks ago, I ended up getting a new iPhone. I had an old iPhone for many years and after it had so many cracks and it wasn't working well, my children messed it up playing with it, I decided to go to the Apple, Apple store and I bought a, the newest iPhone, the, most, the, the best upgrade, uh, 13 Pro Max, the largest one. And I plan to have that for the next 22 years. And so, yeah, I'm not that person that is always upgrading their phone every time it comes out. No, I don't have time for that. And nor do I want to do that. And so I ended up going there and um, it was awesome. I, I'm loving it. It's so great. And so I text a friend of mine a text message. I was like, hey, bro, how's it going? What's going on? What's going on? How's everything? And so he didn't respond to my text message. I'm like, man, did I do something that offended him? And why is he ghosting me or why is he not responding? So I'm like, I'm like hey, bro, are you there? Question mark, question mark, question mark. No response. Doesn't, doesn't respond to me. Then I sent him another text, me text message with all these question marks like that. I'm like, and then I realized, because my phone before wasn't upgraded and didn't have this upgrade or this feature, that there's a new feature on the iPhone that tells you the following. And it says there, they put the picture there, if you can just see it, it says, so-and-so has notifications silenced. My friend had silenced his notifications. So he wasn't getting the text messages that I was sending him. So I saw that and I called him like, bro, that is messed up. 
man, you don't love me. He's like, nah, nah, that was a glitch, bro. I promise you. I promise you that's a glitch, man. I'm not trying to ghost you. I'm not trying to silence you, man. I promise you, I'll, I'll fix that. So I'm not going to tell you who it is, uh, but pray for Pastor Omar, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It wasn't him. I promise you, it wasn't him. He never, he always gets back to me right away. So he's really, really good at that. And I love you, Pastor Omar, all right? God bless you. And so, uh, but I saw that and I started thinking to myself, aren't you thankful and grateful that the God of the universe, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who created you and I, does not have his phone on silent, has not silenced his notification, no matter what you've done in life, no matter how far away you feel from God, no matter how many sins you've committed against him. Here's what I want you to know. First Peter chapter three, verse 12 says that God is attentive, not only listening, but he is attentive to every single one of your prayers. Psalm 34, 17 says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of every single one of their troubles. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? Come on and give Jesus a shout of praise. Philippians 4, 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, present your request to God because He listens to your prayers. How many of you are thankful for that? Come on and give Jesus another shout of praise. Amen. Let's stand to our feet now. Let's stand to our feet now. I'm going to pray for us, but we're going to sing this song. We're going to declare this song over our lives that God is a good and faithful God who sustains us, who loves us, who cares for us. The Word of God says that He will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? Father God, we just come before you, Lord, and we thank you for this day. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, God. Abba, Father, thank you because you listen to our prayers, God. I pray for a prayer of provision over our lives. We want to do your will. We want to do your plan. Forgive us of our sins, God. And God, I just pray, Lord, a prayer of protection over us as a church, God. Thank you because you are Jireh. You are our provider. You are our sustainer. You are there with us. No matter what we're going through in life, God, protect our families, protect our homes. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. All across the city, wherever you are, let's sing it like we mean it, all right? Come on. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud, no, no. Than I am right now. Oh, you believe that? Come on.
Amen. 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 I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, I just pray that we are transformed, God, and we live live our lives that our lives are prayers, God, prayerful lives, God. Thank you, God, because you are good and you're gracious and you're loving and you're merciful towards us, God. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed in this room, or maybe you're watching us online or maybe at another campus, maybe you're joining us for the first time and you're like, all of this is new to me, or maybe you've been coming here for many weeks and you're like, Pastor Carlos, I'm so far away from God. I have drifted and I've fallen into sin. I've fallen into temptation. And how do I call out on Jesus? How do I call out on God? My friend, I want to tell you today that God loves you so much that he pursues you and he desires a personal and intimate relationship with you today. The word of God says in John 3:16 that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son who shall ever believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says in Romans 3:23 for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. None of us are perfect. We are imperfect people who follow a perfect savior. And today you have an opportunity to make that decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to call you out. We're not going to put you in the spot. But we do want to pray for you. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. It's not the words that you say that save you, but rather the condition of your heart. And God wants your heart. He wants your life. So there where you are, I want to know who I'm praying for. So before I lead us in the prayer, there where you are, every head bow and every eye, eye closed, no one looking in this room. If you're saying, Pastor Carlos, this is for me. I want to make a decision to follow Jesus today with no one looking. Would you just take a moment right now and lift up your hand as high as you can? God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you. Tons of hands being lifted. God bless you all the way in the back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you in the front right here. God bless you. Your life will never, ever be the same. You can put your hand down. You don't have to walk this life alone. But you have Jesus to sustain you. You have his spirit to guide you. If you lifted your hand, and even if you did not lift your hand, I want to lead us in this prayer. You can repeat the same exact words or you can pray something similar. Father God, I just come before you and I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of saving. Jesus, I believe that you died, you were buried, and you were raised from the grave for my sin. Today I repent, I turn away from my old life, and I run to you today. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my best friend, be my everything. Write my name in the book of life. From this day forward, I will live for you. I will do your will and not my will. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen. Christ Fellowship, if you're excited for those that said that prayer, why don't we give it up for them? If you made that decision to follow Christ, make sure you go to our Next Steps area. We have a Bible that we want to give you. We want to welcome you to God's family. I'm going to invite all the campus pastors forward. I love you, Christ Fellowship. God bless you. Have an incredible day. God bless you.